We live in a world of a million voices screaming for our attention. People will tell you what to think, where to go, who to listen to, even what to believe. With so many voices in our world today, don't you think it's God's turn? During God's turn, you'll hear practical truths from God's Word for our lives today. Dr. Daniel Stevens, the senior pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Anderson, Indiana, presents powerful truths from God's Word for your life. In a world of a million voices, it's time to let God speak. Join us today for God's turn. Colossians 1 for our sermon today. We know we deal with this idea of being content. We deal with many issues in life. And if we're honest with ourselves, one of our major problems is that we often don't want to deal with the cause of the problem. We just deal with the symptoms. And what happens is they deal with the symptoms and the problem just continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. And so we see that happening all over our country. Really, it happens all over the world. And, and, but even in our own lives, we tend to find ourselves not really wanting to be honest and get down to the root issue of the problem. We just want to deal with the, the symptoms, whether it's our finances, our own, our own health, our relationships with, with other people. And so today, we're going to see really what I believe is our major problem in, in life. And so I'm not very creative, and so I entitled uh, the sermon today, the, the, the Problem. So let's pray, and then we'll jump right in here. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And, and Lord, I, I pray that you, your Spirit would use your Word in our hearts and lives. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that has never accepted Christ, Lord, would you convict them and draw them to yourself? And and Lord, may today be the day of salvation in their life. And Father, for those of us that are believers, I pray that we would be honest with ourselves, Lord, in our walk with you and in our spiritual life. And may we grow as well. And we thank you uh, for what you're going to do in our lives and through us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, today as we think about our problem, I know what you're thinking. I don't have any problems. I don't have any problems because we don't even want to admit that there is a problem a lot of times. Instead of dealing with the problem, we just want to kind of just put it off till tomorrow or, or till another time. And it, maybe if I don't talk about it, if I don't deal with it, it, it then it'll just, it'll just go away. But how often does that happen? Never. If there's a problem, it never, we might cover it up and we might try to make it look good or, or try to deal with the symptoms of it, but the problem is, is still there and, and, and we see that happening so often in our life. And when it comes to spiritual problems, that are probably the spiritual problem, Paul deals with that today. Now last week, we saw that Christ is to have the preeminence in our lives. He's not just to be a part of our lives, but he is to be first and foremost. He is to be the, the priority in our life. Why? Because he's the king. When we got saved, we were taken from the, the kingdom of this world and we were translated or transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. And Christ is the king. And, and, and we all know that if there is a kingdom, there is a king who is prominent. Who is preeminent? Who is first in that kingdom? Well, it's the king, and Jesus is the king, and so he should have preeminence in our life. And Paul goes on and says, listen, not only is he king and we're part of his kingdom, but hey, guess what? He's the creator. He is the one that made you, and you are his creation, and therefore, he deserves to pre be preeminent, to be first place in your life. And, 
And then he talks about our salvation. Christ is the head of the body, the, the church. And when we get saved, we're placed into the body of Christ. And we're now part of his body. And he is the head. And the head is to have preeminence and be first place. And listen, he has taken you from, if you're a believer, he's taken you from the pit of hells and being at enmity with God. And now you're part of his family and he's given you eternal life and you'll be with God for all eternity in heaven one day. And, and listen, because of all of that, Jesus Christ is to be preeminent. And listen, he should permeate every aspect of your life. Jesus isn't something that we just add on to our life at the end of the week or the first day of the week or, or maybe even in a Bible study here and there, but he is to permeate every aspect of your life. He should be a part of your life at work and in your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children. He should be a part of your finances. He should be a part of every aspect of your life. There's no part, there's no place in our life as a believer that Jesus should not be a part of. I mean, I love, I, I love this section in Colossians. Right now, uh, in one of the classes that I teach online at the college, uh, they're, they're doing their doctrinal statement. They just finished a couple weeks ago their Christology uh, part of their doctrinal statement. That's the doctrine of, of Christ. And, and listen, if they don't have Colossians chapter 1, uh, they just get a zero. Like, I mean, they just get a zero. If they, if they don't have Colossians chapter 1, they're missing uh, something major in their doctrinal statement. And so, I mean, I love this, this passage and, and about Jesus. And, and when it comes to the regard, uh, information about Jesus and who he is and the place that he should have in our life, Colossians chapter 1 is, is I mean, first, one of the first and foremost places that we, that we should go. But I want you to look with me now at, the, at our passage. And we read, Ben read these just a few minutes ago. And um, he read verses 18 through 22. And verses 18 through 20, it talks about what I just said. Jesus is to have the preeminence. We are part of the body of Christ. He's reconciled us to, unto God. And then in verse 21, as soon as we get to verse 21, we have our first point. We see the problem. We see the problem. Notice what it says, if you would. Look with me there. And you and you. Now, I know what you're saying. You don't like me already. <laughs> Listen, you are the problem. I am the problem. He goes on to say, and you, notice what he says there, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled you. And so the first thing he tells, that these, these are believers that he's writing to here, and he says, and you, I want you to understand, he says, who you were, who you were. Multiple times in the New Testament, God reminds us of who we were. He says, such as were some of you. And he talks about, we were idolaters and blasphemers and fornicators. And he goes on through all these sins and he says, listen, that's who you were. And so one of the biggest problems that we have is our perception of ourselves. Listen, we believe even before we were saved, we were great. We were moral. We were, we were good. But the Bible says there are none good. There are none righteous. No, not one. And so when we look at ourselves from a biblical perspective, we should see ourselves as sinful people. You were and you are the problem. Can I tell you generally, in most situations, you are the problem. Now, before we jump on to what he says here, I want you to realize you and I are the problem anytime there's an issue. What do I mean by that? We were the problem in our relationship with God. God was not the problem. He's holy and righteous. We sinned against him. Can I tell you this today? When you have conflict 
with another person, you are the problem. When you have conflict with another person, you are the problem. We say, well, wait a minute. No, they're the ones that messed up. They're the ones that hurt my feelings. They're the ones that did me wrong. Hey, listen, over and over in the Bible, God tells us how we're to treat other people. Over and over, he says that we're to love one another. Hey, we're to, we're to love our, those that love us, but hey, guess what? We're also to love our enemies. He tells us that we're to love as he loved us, sacrificially. But nowhere in the Bible does he ever clarify and say, hey, love them if they treat you right. Love them if they do what you expect them to do. Love them if they're a nice person. Love them if they're, if they're kind. See, the issue is, is that we believe that we should get justice. We believe in the word fair. Hey, that's not fair. God never says, hey, love them or treat them kind or be gracious if they do things in a fair manner, if they're fair. He never tells them to do, tells us to love them if they love us and treat them kindly. He, he never says, hey, you need to get justice for yourself. And when there's an injustice, you should then react in a way that's unbiblical or unkind. You see, the problem in those situations is, is it's, it's you and, and it's me. I learned a long time ago, if I have conflict with somebody, then I am the problem because I'm expecting them to treat me a certain way in order for me to react to them in a certain way. And so in our flesh, we are, we are the problem. And listen, I'll be honest with you, it's difficult. It's difficult when somebody curses you or harms you or, or does something wrong to you because our culture says, hey, get, that, get back at them. Or you don't deserve to be treated that way. Or let's be honest, some of us, we believe we're above others. And we believe we have a higher standard in society or, or, or whatever our position is. And so we should be treated, we should be treated a, a certain way. You see, why are you the problem is because it's your thinking. How do I know that? Because that's the same way that we have the issue, the same reason we have the issue with God. Let's move on in the passage. He says this, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind. Enemies in your minds. First of all, we were alienated. That idea is to be apart from God, apart from, apart from Christ. You see, now as we're in Jesus Christ, God says we are citizens of heaven. We are part of his family. He shows us that relational aspect. But before we were in Jesus Christ, we were separated from God. There was a divide between us. And he used, Paul uses the word here, alienated, alienated from God. We were not a part of, of God's family and we were shut out from his fellowship and, and intimacy with him. And so he, he's reminding them of, of that issue. And then he says there, you were enemies in your in your mind. Literally, it means that I hated God and had hostility towards him. We were enemies in our mind. You see, a lot of times we think it's our, it's our actions. And, and notice what he says here in this verse. You were enemies in your mind by wicked works. You see, your works come out of your thinking. And we hated, we hated God. In Romans, the Bible, the Bible tells us there in verse number one that because that when they knew God, so there's the mind aspect, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. 
They knew him in their minds, but the Bible says they hated him. And God says, that's who you were. That's who you were. It started in the way that you think. And listen, all of our problems come from our thinking. We'll hear people talk all the time about having a biblical worldview or a biblical perspective. And anytime we deviate from that, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. So if we have a biblical perspective when it comes to our relationships with one another, guess what? It'll solve a lot of our problems. But we don't have a biblical perspective. We have a sinful perspective. We have a selfish perspective. We have a, it's my right and my way. And, and it's a, we have a me perspective. And really, we have a worldly perspective. It amazes me how easily, as Christians, we buy into the philosophies of the world. I mean, it is amazing to me, as Christians, how easily it is that we buy into the philosophies of the world. Of, of the world. I mean, we'll praise Jesus and thank God for salvation and we'll go to church and we'll sing the songs and all those type of things. But it's, man, but once we get involved in our relationships and our job and our marriage and our children, we'll start adapting worldly philosophies that have no place in the Christian home or no place in the life of the Christian. And we see that over and over and over again. Why? Because of our thinking, the way that we start to think. You see, everything that we believe, everything that we think has to be compared to the scriptures and, com and compared to the Bible. And if God's word says something different than we think, the Bible shouldn't change, our thinking should change. And so the, the, the problem is, is that we were enemies in our mind. The way that we think causes us to react and act in a certain way. And so Paul says this, and you. And you, you were alienated from God because you were the enemy of God. Hey, in the scripture, the Bible says, guess what? God loves us. God loves us. When we were enemies, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were the enemies, we were the enemy of God, but yet he loved us. Why? Because we were the enemy, we were the enemy of him. We were the problem. We are, we are the problem. And that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. We don't want to admit that we are the problem. And, and listen, I'll be honest, there's some people in here today, maybe you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior because you struggle admitting that you're a sinner. Hey, listen, you can lie to yourself and fool yourself all day long, but the Bible is very clear. You have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You might be the most kindest, gracious, sweetest person in the world from a human perspective, but you've sinned against the holy God. And you are alienated from him. You are the enemy of God in your mind. You say, well, I think morally. That's probably one of your biggest problems. Because you think morally from your perspective. It's all about you in that situation and not what God says. What God says is what we have to know and understand and believe. And God says you were, you are, if you've never accepted Christ, alienated from him. You're the enemy of, of God. But number two after he tells us, and you, you were alienated, you were the enemy of God, he talks about then the solution to this issue. He goes on to say there in verse number uh, 21, you were sometimes alienated, enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. So the solution is, is that is reconciliation. We are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That idea of reconciliation has the idea of being brought back, being brought back to God. I mentioned it already, but he became sin for us 
who knew no sin, that we might be made the what? The righteousness of God through him. Paul is telling us that our relationship is restored with God through Jesus Christ. Go back with me all the way back to the beginning. Adam and Eve had the privilege of walking with God in the garden. And when sin entered, what happened? What did they do? In their mind, they believed they could become like God. And their mind made them the enemies of God and make them do wicked works. And when they sinned, their fellowship was broken with God. Israel in the Old Testament is God's people. He loved them. And as you read through the story of the Old Testament, what happened over and over and over again? Israel sinned against God and, and that fellowship was broken. And many times they went into bondage. And when they re repented and returned to God, they were restored back into fellowship again. They were reconciled back to God. And God loved us so much and wanted to have a relationship with us. He sent his son to die on the cross as the sinless payment or the, yeah, the sinless payment for our sin. And so God, Paul says, he took on sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That means that we are brought back into fellowship with God because it's not our sin any longer, but it's the righteousness of Christ that is in our life. Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? The, the, the greatest problem is you're the enemy of God in your mind. You have sinned against Him and there's no fellowship, but through Jesus Christ, you can be reconciled or restored back to God. I love that reconciliation term. It has the idea of relationship, doesn't it? You know, there's probably many people in our lives that we need to be reconciled to. This same picture is the same picture we can use for our personal relationships. Many times if we'll get out of our way, own way and, 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 and remove the problem of ourself and our flesh, we can have relationships reconciled. But I just, I can't forgive them because you're the problem. I, I, I can't get over it because you're the problem. You're, you're not thinking about it from a, a biblical perspective. It's not about what they did or how much they did. It's about who you are in Christ and God's expectation for your life. So you see, we are the problem. We are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. But this is probably one of my favorite points of this whole message, the results. So we have the problem, we're the problem, we sinned against God. Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. And I want you to see the results. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, I know what the, the results are. I know the results. Why did God save us? And this is what we think. God saved us so we don't have to go to hell. God saved us so that we don't go into the second death and, and be separated from him for, for all eternity. Some of us think, you know, God saved us so that, that he can bless us. Can I tell you that, that those are wonderful, wonderful byproducts of salvation. But I really want you to see what does Paul say is the result of our salvation? Look with me at back at verse, 20, uh, verse number 22. So he saves us in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Or I can say it this way. God saved us to make us more like Jesus. God saved us to make us more like Jesus. Well, how do you know that? 
Well, he tells us in other places that we, his, he's predestinated us to be what? Conformed into the image of his son in Romans chapter 8. But notice the description that Paul gives us here. He's, cre- he, he's done this, he's reconciled us so that we could be holy. The idea there is sanctified and set apart for God's use. Well, who is holy? Jesus is holy. He goes on to say that we're unblameable. The idea there is not guilty of anything worthy of blame. Unreprovable. Nothing can be called to our account. As you read through those words, the only one that identifies with that statement there is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God has saved you to make you conformed into the image of his son. To be more like Christ. As you go through the the New Testament, you see that concept emphasized over and over again. The idea of sanctification and and growing spiritually, it always comes back to as we do that, we become more like Christ. And then he tells us the final emphasis is what? We shall see him and we will what? We'll be like him. And so as we're going through this life here today, as we're going through this life here, as we live here, the, the Christian life, we should be conformed into the image of his son. We should be more like Jesus Christ. That's, that's God's plan for our life. And so the question is, is, are you becoming more like Jesus Christ? Am I becoming more like Jesus Christ? And for many, even professing believers, listen, if you're not saved, you're not becoming more like Christ. You're the enemy of God. But even for those of us that are believers, we struggle in this area of becoming more like Christ. Why? Because Paul says, and you, and you. Now, let's tie it all back into the last couple weeks. Paul is writing to this church because Jesus wasn't the primary focus anymore. It, these false teachers were coming in, and they were, they were pulling these people away from Jesus and who he is and living for him and, and, and bringing in, in this false teaching. And Paul is bringing it back, saying, listen, Jesus is to be preeminent, to be first place, the priority in your life. Why? Because God's expectation for you is to be like Christ. God's expectation for you is to, to, be, like, to be like Christ. Now, I've gotten a little carried away over the last few weeks of using my family as illustrations. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I try not to do it, especially not in a, in a negative way, all right? I try not to do it in a negative way, all right? But the reality is, is your children are a lot like you, aren't they? Your children are a lot like you. Why? Because they grow up in your home. You're, they're around you all the time. Now, poor Kyle this week, this is why I prefaced all that. Poor Kyle this week, I was talking to somebody and he comes in the school building and he comes walking down the hall and he asks the question, do I sound like that? He heard me talking and, he, he, and, I'm, and I'm pretty loud. So he heard me upstairs and he comes walking, he's like, do I sound like that? And I forgot who I was talking to and they're like, yeah, you sound just like him. And well, another teacher earlier in the day, this is where this question came out of. Another teacher heard him talking down the hallway. I wasn't even in the building. And he comes walking around the corner, and she's like, oh, I thought you were your dad. You sounded just like your dad. You know that broke his heart. (laughs) The only thing that could be worse, and you know what it is, is if she said, you look just like your dad. That's the only thing that could be worse than, than that. He's like, I don't sound, I don't sound like that. And listen, we can't hear ourselves. 
right? We think we sound differently than we really sound. I think I have a really strong, deep voice until I hear myself, you know, on the radio or television or something, and I know I'm high and squeaky and all that stuff. I know that. But why, why, does, he, why does he talk like me? Well, he's around me more than he is anybody else. And unfortunately for him, he's going to look like me in some ways. And fortunately for him, he'll look like my wife's family in some ways and stuff. But you hear people all the time say, wow, that's my, what, mini me, right? They're, they're, just, like, they're just like you. Why? Because you're the one that's in their life. You're the one that they're around all the time. You have the greatest influence in their life. So there's an expectation, good, bad, or indifferent, where they're going to be just like you. Sometimes we say it in a good way. Wow, they're just like you. Man, they got your athletic ability, your good looks, whatever, your singing ability. But a lot of times we say it in a bad, day, a bad way. She's sarcastic just like you. He's obnoxious just like you. Like, you know, I mean, we give them the bad traits as well. Why? They, they become conformed because you have the greatest influence. And what Paul is trying to say, listen, Jesus is the priority why? Because God saved you and his desire is that you would be just, you would, you would be just like him. And, and so as a, as a, as a Christian in, in life who's now no longer the alien from God and now no longer the enemy of God, but is a part of his, his family, listen, you should be becoming more like Christ every day. You should become more like Christ. But what's the problem? but you're the problem. You're the problem. Jesus is here and he's doing the saving work and he wants to sanctify you, but you're the problem. You get in the way. Your flesh, your understanding, your thinking, your perspective, your attitude, you get in the way. So the, the solution is what? It's, it's Christ. He reconciles you back to God when you accept Christ as your Savior and makes you right with God. And, and how do you become conformed into the image of, of Jesus? He's the answer. He may, he's the priority in your life. He has first place. He has first place in your life. And then you'll become more like Him, and that's God's purpose for your life. Hey, listen, it'll be glorious and great that we'll be in heaven for all eternity, but we'll be just like Him We'll be just like him. Perfect. We'll be holy, unblameable, unreprovable. We'll be just like Christ. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I want to be just like Christ. I want to be like Christ. And, and so what the, the church was dealing with in Colossians and what the church is dealing with in our day today is Jesus isn't first. You are. You're getting in the way. You're messing it up. So get yourself out of the way and make him the priority in your life. That you'll be just like him. Thank you for joining us for God's Turn and the preaching ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Anderson, Indiana. We would love to hear how this ministry has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or help you in any other way, Email us at grace at grace2anderson.com or you can call or text our church office at 765-643-7853. You can find more information about Grace, 
and more messages from Pastor Daniel Stevens on our church website. Visit us online at grace2toanderson.com. We also hope you'll consider partnering with our ministry. Give to our program by sending your gift to Grace Baptist Church, Care of God's Turn, at 432 West 300 North, Anderson, Indiana, 46012. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for another time of God's Turn.